Hey, listeners, this is Neil Ludevic and Amir Jandali. Welcome to Leave Looking Up, where we have uplifting conversations about the state of the world with our heroes, with the intention to demystify, orient, and leave you, our listeners, inspired. For this episode, we sat down with Lorena Beltran, a true multi-hyphenate. Lorena is an international speaker, a consultant, and activist on all things cannabis. She's the founder of both Cannabis Salud Mexico and Indontura Labs, companies focused on research, product manufacturing, and advocacy work connected to the legal medical cannabis framework in Mexico. An integral part of the movement that successfully legalized medicinal marijuana in Mexico, Lorena has since launched a nonprofit association called Alianza Latinoamericana de la Cannabis, a network of more than 50 companies that provide education to the public sector around cannabis. She's also the chairwoman of an international cannabis consulting firm called Gateway Proven Strategies and a member of the advisory board at Regenibus, a platform that delivers ESG services to companies around the world. Last but certainly not least, she balances all of this alongside being a single mother and a career and tour manager to one of the largest social media influencers and YouTubers in Mexico, which just so happens to be her 14-year-old son, Alan known by his handle, Yankee. In today's episode, we learn from both Lorena and her son, Alan, how the power of manifestation, persistence, and intentionality can come together in the most unlikely of ways to bring dreams to reality. And now, without further ado, let's start this episode. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did and that you leave afterwards looking up. I'm so honored to present to y'all, a good friend of mine that I've known since high school, Lorena Beltran, that is going to be talking to us about a breadth of things from cannabis to being a mother, to being a healer, to managing her son's career as he explodes in the public eye and all things in between, here to leave you looking up towards the stars and beyond. Lori, ¿cómo estás? Welcome. Gracias, Amir. And Neil, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm so happy to share with you guys. We have some questions lined up for you, but like, how are you doing today? How's it going? What today's Dia de los Muertos? That's correct. Day of the Death. It's a very important day in Mexico. Everybody is at the cemetery visiting their loved ones or just visiting different places in, in Mexico. So there's a lot going on. Lori, for our guests, and for us, too. I mean, we've known each other for more than a decade now. How would you describe yourself? Okay, that could be a, a tricky question. Socially, mm-hmm. how I see myself, a single mom that has always had big dreams and always trying to find the right place to be in terms of feelings and intuition where you feel good, right? And that's why... My journey throughout the years have taken me to so many places and lived so many experiences. I went to school for filmmaking. And for me, filmmaking and studying communication brought a lot of dreams to my head. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to write scripts. I wanted to act. I wanted to direct, produce. I got the chance to produce my own plays. I did the vagina monologues and other plays down in Mexico. So I was surrounded in that world, the entertainment world. And then 
Alan came into the picture, my son. And I became a single mom very early. So I had to change a few things in my life with the new baby. And I think it's hard to say, who am I? I've been an actress. I've been a, a news anchor. I am a mom. I also been an advocate for different human rights. I currently am an advocate for the legalization of cannabis. I'm an advocate for people in prison for cannabis. And now that my son, you know, it's a famous YouTuber, I'm also a manager. So it's going back and forth between accomplishing my dreams of being famous and an actress and now seeing my son doing that, being famous and a big influencer in Mexico and YouTuber now with many opportunities on TV, on the big screen even. He's done voiceovers for Pixar movies and stuff. So it's just so incredible to see my dreams being accomplished now by my son and be side to side with him being his manager momager that's how i call it momager momager <laughs> oh my god i love it <laughs> yes so I, it. I think i have a lot of roles and i love all of them right a woman wearing many sombreros there right? you go <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah damn that's so good. I, what's coming up for you, Neil? I, I think I'm hearing all of those different things and it's honoring those. And you seem to wear them really well. And I want to know what you were like as a kid. Was it this? What was your childhood like to get to this cool, calm and collected place? Because you were going back and forth also between the U.S. and Mexico. And Correct. I'm just curious how all these things connect. It comes from how I was raised and the experiences that I lived. And I come from parents that got divorced and I was only four or five years old when they got divorced. So my dad living in Chihuahua, Mexico, my dad moves to Colorado right when they got divorced. So I stayed with my mom and my brother in Mexico but of course, I visited my dad every vacation, Christmas, spring break, summer. So yeah, it was always going back and forth my whole life. I grew up in two homes that were full of love and entertainment. Of course, on my mom's side, she was the strict one because she was there every day, making sure we were eating okay, that we were taking our veggies and we were getting good grades and also grounding us all the time. My dad was always supporting my dreams, mm. always saying, hey, I see as a kid that you love to act. This is your passion. Like, go for it. And then on the other hand, my mom's like, well, I don't know about that. You may struggle with those careers, mm -hmm. not make enough money, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, the main thing is that I never lacked love. Love was always around in my family. And I think that's key for every human being to be happy at your adult years. <laughs> and so in her home as a child, Lorena would write and direct plays and recruit her cousins to act, sing and dance for her family. That's how she first learned to pursue something she was passionate about, to just make it. In fact, I met Lorena in theater class back in high school and distinctly remember seeing someone that was truly in her element. And so, as you heard from all the hats that she wears, her dreams have changed, but it's clear that her drive hasn't. 
she took that fire and directed it towards her advocacy for cannabis legalization. What got you exactly into the world of cannabis? What was it? Okay, so after my journey in filmmaking and production, and then I started doing um, music festivals. And then after that, I moved back to Chihuahua. I started my own production company. We were doing mainly music festivals and brought Amir to Chihuahua to play. It was DJ Amir. It was, I was not making real money. It wasn't a real business. I was just partying with everybody else at the festival. So this was during the years where a former president back then declared the war on drugs Mm. in Mexico. So my son was around two years old and they declared the war on drugs. And I'm here doing music festivals and working at clubs and all of a sudden mass shootings, especially at parties and clubs and Mm. people were getting kidnapped and horrible things started to happen. A lot of violence, especially on border cities. And I was on the border, Chihuahua. So we had to close our company and it became a ghost town. Like you weren't safe anywhere. Here I am, single mom with a baby and... So I moved to Colorado and when I moved there, it was going to be 2013 and Colorado decides to legalize the recreational market. So boom, here I am running away from my country because of the violence around the war on drugs. And now in a state where they are legalizing drugs, marijuana in this case, and I was just so confused. I was like, people are making a legal business out of this, opening stores. And I started learning about the medical benefits of marijuana. And I was like, oh my God, it has therapeutic benefits. And I look back to Mexico and people are killing each other. And it's terrible. So there's something wrong here. Mm. You know, first, the United States criminalized this, is the first ones to prohibit it. Marijuana back in the day, in the 30s, 40s. And now they're legalizing cannabis and we're still fighting for it. So my first feeling was I need to learn exactly what's going on. And then second, I started falling in love with the plant. The more I learn about it, the more I educate myself on all the benefits, everything you could do the tax they were making from it and the possibility of helping people in prison to get out. I was just fascinated by it. And I thought that I could be that person that could help Mexico legalize that as well. So I found this company, Charlotte's Web. It was always on top of the list on Google. Charlotte's Web is doing this. And the documentary on the little girl Charlotte on CNN with Dr. Sanja Gupta. So I was like, this is it. This is the company. So yeah, it took me six months to get the job, but I got it. So Charlotte's Web was my first job in the industry. And I call it my cannabis university as well. So I graduated from Charlotte's Web and it was game time. (laughs) Something I heard in another interview, can you just talk a little bit about the process of what it took you to get that first job? I was pretty inspired by it. Yeah. So when I got to Colorado, everything was so confusing in terms of the legalization and also moving to a different country with my son, starting a new life. 
I was a little bit lost, honestly. I didn't know what I wanted. I knew I was not going back into the entertainment business, but then I didn't know what to do. So what I did was I found a yoga training to be a, an instructor in yoga. So I was like, this is perfect. It's a three-month course, and I probably can find many answers there. But the course was $3,000, and I had... $100 in my bank account when I moved to Colorado. So I was like, how am I going to do this? And they had an announcement to say, we have one scholarship. You have to submit your information and write a letter why you need it. So I did that. And of course, I got it because I manifested it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I manifested it. I needed it. I was like, this is mine. <laughs> this is my scholarship. So I got it. I put my heart into that letter. I was like, please, like, I need this desperately. So <laughs> I got the scholarship. I did the yoga teacher training for three months. It was life changing. I learned to meditate. I learned about the benefits of being vegan, vegetarian. So I changed a lot of things during those three months. And I found many answers. So I started teaching yoga, but I was not making enough money by teaching two or three, four classes a week. So that's when I started looking into cannabis. Listening to Lorena, it was clear that this was the real start of her life. Everything leading up to this moment Manifesting her scholarship, meditation, building an entertainment company, her child. It was all the fuel that she needed to form an unstoppable persistence that would get her working for Charlotte's Web. I was going after that. Like, Charlotte's Web is going to be at this expo or giving this conference or whatever. I was always there. I was like, hey, guys, the Mexican girl again. <laughs> I'm bilingual. I can help. I don't know anything about cannabis, but I learned fast. You have a job. And they're like, right now, it, it was still a family business. It's not like a huge corporation like today. They're huge. But back in the day, it was still a family company. They were trying to grow. Charlotte's Web saw demand from families around the world that wanted CBD for their kids with epilepsy. As they continued to grow and establish a reputation as a leader in the world of cannabis, Lorena was always there, ready to take any opportunity. I had to wait until they had an opening and they had me start the first sales team ever. They had to open a sales team to go out there and sell products at retail stores and stuff. And I'm like, hey, I barely speak English. Like, I don't know what CBD means. And you're going to put me out <laughs> ah. there to start the first sales team? Are you oh kidding God, me? I love it. But I was like, this is my opportunity. I don't care. I'll sell whatever you want me to. I'm going for it. And that's how it started. So while she was busy manifesting a career in the cannabis industry, stopping at nothing to get there, it's important to remember that she was also juggling being a single mom having had Alan when she was 20 and still in college. And at the time, she was living with her parents and Alan's dad until he left when Alan was only seven months old. Lorena shared a bit about how all that happened, what happened to her partner, and some of the unexpected challenges that came with being a single mom during that time. Alan's dad, he's like, this is too much for me. I'm going to continue to do my thing. And he just left. So it was very tough. 
I had postpartum depression for like a year and a half. There was a point so I could finish college that my mom took my son to Chihuahua for like a year. That was super hard for me to be apart from my baby, but it was close enough to go twice a month to go see him. With the support of her family, things seemed to be getting better for Lorena. She moved to Colorado, got her dream job at Charlotte's Web, and was finally able to get her own apartment with her son. However, a few years later, when Alan was six years old, Lorena faced an unexpected challenge. He was uh, six, seven years old when he started asking for his dad. Where is he? Like, I haven't seen him in a very long time. Where is he? I want to know why he's not here. He doesn't love me or what happened? We started asking all these questions, so... I got super nervous and sad at the same time. And I started remembering a lot of things. And I was like, well, he's right. He has the right to know where his dad is. I don't even know. I didn't know back then. So I started doing my research. I called my lawyer and I was like, can you help me find him? I don't have his phone. I didn't have contact with his family. He calls me 30 minutes later and he's like, well, he's in prison. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. I didn't know how I was going to tell my son. It took me a few months before I told him what was going on because he was so young. So before I told him, I was giving him different scenarios. And maybe he's in a hospital, mom, and he is probably super sick and he doesn't have our phone number and he doesn't know how to contact us. And he's probably there in a hospital. And... I will cry every time I, we will have these conversations. And then next time, well, maybe he's dead, mom. That's why we don't know anything about him. He probably died. So we need to find his grave if that's the case. And it was so heartbreaking. When I mentioned, well, what if he's in prison? And he just looked at me and he was shocked. And he's like, no way. That's not going to be the case. Because my dad is not a bad person. He cannot be in prison. So can you imagine? All these scenarios, he was like super mature about it. Like, could be this or that. When we mentioned prison, he started crying. When I finally told him, I explained, you know, there's a lot of injustice. There's a lot of people in prison for things that they didn't do. Your dad is not a bad person. He was just very young when he left, confused. And I told him about his dad's childhood and he wasn't, he didn't know his dad. He was only raised by his grandparents. His parents were not there, his mom or his dad. And how he, as a human being, how could all of those things affected him in a way that are now reflecting in the present by him being in prison and the decisions that he made. And I told him he's not, He's not a bad person. He's actually a good person. He's a very funny guy. You're, is your dad. Just, you got to love him. And now that we found him, what do you want to do? Do you want me to take you to see him? He's like, no, mom. Like, let's write a letter and let's see if he responds. And we did. And since then, he called Alan every weekend. So they, they've had a relationship over the phone. So, yeah, we have been through a lot and, and I just try to make sure that my son, it's okay emotionally around this situation. I took him to therapy because I saw also things manifesting in him, like 
ticks, like different ticks that he will do, coughing for no reason, removing his head. And just as kids, they don't know how to express verbally. So they showed in different ways. And it was like physically how anxious he was or stressed. All these things, moving to a different country, a new language, learning about his dad in prison. And so, yeah, it was also a a challenging time. I'm not going to say it was a bad time because it also helped him be the person he's today, which I'm super proud of. He is super mature emotionally, mentally. Like you talk to him and you feel like you're talking to a 60-year-old. He he always had all this attention and, and love, you know. And I definitely believe 100% that a kid has loved all, you know, his childhood, he's going to be fine no matter what else happens around. <laughs> Hola chicos, bienvenidos a mi canal de YouTube y este es el primer video que voy a hacer y estoy muy emocionado. Por... That was Alan's kickoff video from two years ago where he introduces himself and his channel to the world. Today, that video has over 2 million views. You can see that just like young Lorena, Alan has also pursued his passion in front of the camera. And one thing's very clear, that he, like his mom, is definitely in his element as a performer. I'm just taking a note about this transition from film to cannabis, that you guys seem very much in your natural, authentic selves. Like, that is where you guys shine. These opportunities to express yourselves, to talk about yourselves. And I'd love to hear more about how this transition happened to him having this YouTube channel. It's funny because when he turned seven years old, that's when a lot of things started to happen. It was the boom of YouTube. Like kids started to watching YouTube more than Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network. And he's like, I want to open my YouTube channel, mom, because I would really like to be on a camera. And I'm like, well, you got it from your mom. So, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He had like little dolls, like superheroes and stuff. And he will also do scripts and have his little toys pretend to do like a little scene. And he will record with his iPad and he had his YouTube channel. But then he realized after a few months, you know, nobody's following mom. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> getting any attention. I have no subscribers. And he was so disappointed. He's like, this is not easy, but I, I want this so bad. And I'm like, well, just continue to work and just keep dreaming, keep manifesting. And he's like, I think what I need is to meet a famous YouTuber. He's going to help me and I'm going to become one. And I was like, (laughs) okay, let's see what happens. He said that when he was seven. And then whatever, it was just a dream of him. And then after Charlotte's Web, I moved to another company to learn about the recreational industry. And then we had a case of a little girl from Mexico, from Monterrey, who has epilepsy and her family learned about Charlotte's Web and they decided to go to Colorado Mm. to look for the product. And this family came to the office when I was there and they're like, oh, well, this is Lorena, the only Mexican that works in the company. (laughs) So I was introduced to this family and they're like, we need to take this product to Mexico legally. 
And we're like, how are we going to do that? Mexico is illegal. We're going to fight it in court. So I was there next to them, supporting through the whole process of court. They finally won in court and got the permit to take the product in Mexico. So that was big news. Now, Little Grace in Mexico was also all over the news. And all the reporters wanted to learn about the store in Colorado. So they started showing up in Colorado. <laughs> I was all over the news talking about Charlotte's Web and oh CBD. And I get an invitation to speak at the Congress in Mexico along with Grace's parents. And here we are in this group of advocates to legalize medical cannabis in Mexico. I became an external advisor in the Congress to help like legislators educate them around medical cannabis. And with my background in Charlotte's Web, I was a trusted source. And when finally legalization happened, it was like, I need to move back to Mexico. That's why I learned all these things. Now I'm in the Congress. I'm around legislators and politicians and I have a voice. So I need to use it. So we moved to Mexico City. I was not the only one being successful and accomplishing goals and manifesting. Then my son, all of a sudden, comes to the apartment and he's like, guess Guess what? What? I met a famous YouTuber oh who lives God. in the same building. <laughs> and I'm like, show me. And back then, three years ago, this YouTuber had four or five million subscribers. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's famous. He's like, I'm just going to stalk him. I'm just going to follow him everywhere <laughs> until I do a video with him. And I'm like, good luck with that. So it was a group of kids. It was my son and other five little boys that were running around the building following this guy from Uruguay. And the next thing you know, he's like, mom, 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 I'm on his channel. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I go into this guy's channel. His name is Fede from Uruguay. And I see a video called, I hate my neighbors. Oh my God. And I'm like, what? Oh shit, man. And I watched this video and you have these six little kids running behind him and finally, oh, we finally meet you. And he's like, all right, come to my apartment. I'll show you what Whatever. I do. And the kids like jumping everywhere and destroying his apartment and like super excited <laughs> taking videos and pictures. And it was like a reality show. And I was just like laughing. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, well, there you go. No, you made it. <laughs> and he's like, this is just the beginning. Oh, hell yeah. I didn't hear anything after that video until like a month after. He comes running in the apartment. Mom, 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 you need to come because I need you to support me because I'm having a hard time recording my song. What song? What song? <laughs> we are doing a music video with Fede. What are you talking about? And I go downstairs and Fede is like, oh, the kids didn't tell you we're recording a song and we're going to do a music video for my channel. Okay. All, right. All right. Next thing, there's a music video that right now has over 60 million views. Their first music video. And from there, I was like, okay, this is real. Yeah. There's something going there's on something here. There's something going on here. Oh my God. Yeah. So he put a nickname to each of the kids and he named them the Besi Banda, which means the neighbor band. Oh neighbor my band. God, I love La Besi it. Banda. And since then, 
pandemic came, they went viral. And each kid opened their own channel. All of them have almost 2 million subscribers. And Fede, the mastermind, he's a creator. He went from 4 million followers three years ago to almost 17 today. Thanks to the content with the kids. Yeah, it's been a journey. Yeah. Since then, Alan, who goes by El Yankee, has accumulated over 1.75 million subscribers on his YouTube channel gained hundreds of thousands of followers on every other social channel, and has become a true internet celebrity, most recently voicing a character on the animated film Boss Baby 2, alongside the likes of Alec Baldwin, Eva Longoria, Jimmy Kimmel, and Lisa Kudrow, just to name a few. We were lucky enough to have Alan around at the time of our interview, so Lorena called him in to join us and share a bit about his life and thoughts about his mother and manifestation. So Alan Yankee. Hi. We're going with Yankee today. Yes. How are you doing? I've been pretty good. Yankee and Alan, where did the two identities split? You were Alan and you still are Alan, but Yankee is a recent yeah. newer name. Talk about that. So when I go to like events or like when I'm filming or I go outside and someone asks to take a picture with me, well, that's when Yankee comes out because that's the celebrity part. And Alan is when like I'm with like family or friends or just doing typical normal stuff. That's cool. Yeah. And what was the other YouTuber Fede. name? Fede. Yeah. Yeah. Fede was. The, Fede. He said. Yeah. He said Yankee. Where did the word term Yankee come from? So he's from Uruguay, and over there, people who speak English are normally called Yankees. So. He said, okay, well, this guy speaks English, so we're going to name him Yankee. And it just stayed. Naturally. Yeah. Alan, we've been talking to your mom for a bit and hearing about her journey and just going back and forth between Mexico and Colorado. And then we met in Las Cruces and just kind of hearing this spirit of going after your visions and then sensing something and then bringing it to life. And then this beautiful moment that you had when you wanted to start a YouTube channel and then you did, yeah. talking about... Your toys. Yes. It was very cringeworthy, but that's where it started. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, when I was little, I always told my mom, I want to be in the Nickelodeon Awards. Uh-huh. And, um, and now we won the last one they did. It was not too long ago. <laughs> so. Yeah. The Kids' Choice Awards from Nickelodeon, they... they they just won. Oh my God. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Having those experiences is something that probably happens once in a lifetime. Right. And right. even right. through like a 14-year-old boy, which mm. has like nothing to do with YouTube and stuff. And then just like that, I'm now here. And like, so how do you make sense of that? I mean, what does that mean to you? I guess it can mean that no matter how old you are or not even just like being old just like any anything that's holding you back instead mm -hmm. of using it as weight use it as a step to keep going on hell yeah since he was little i was mentioning he has this power of manifestation mm. he manifests things very fast we all humans have that power whenever we tap into it and learn how to mm. do it and and believe that we can do it it starts happening but as kids we have it naturally we start losing that sense that knowing of 
manifestation and the power we have to accomplish things. Alan is one of, of those people, person that just continues to do so in a very, very fast way. Sure. What do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, sounds very hippie, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My mom's but, a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it sounds hippie, but sure. isn't it true, true how yeah, you manifest true. things? It's true. Yeah, it's true. What were things like before your TV show? And being on all over social, was is it the same across the board? It was more normal because that definitely changes your whole life. Now, I can't go out without even being asked to take a photo. And before it was just school and friends and family. And now it's friends, school, family, and work. Because, yeah, it can be fun and everything. I really enjoy doing it with my friends and by myself. Because it's, it's something that I really enjoy. First. Even since when I was little, I always saw these YouTubers make videos. And I would say, okay, that's cool. I want to do that too. But it's also like a really big responsibility. Because... You have to be on it a lot and then because then if you don't, then you're just going to lose focus and people are going to stop being interested in you and it just goes down. How are you choosing what happens? What, what is going on the show? How does that happen? On videos, I normally just come up with ideas or my mom gives me ideas, but she doesn't have the best. So um, <laughs> Sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or sometimes with my editor, he helps me out too. And we just brainstorm and then we think of a good idea and then we just film it as as we go. I'm curious about like, as you were just kind of like experimenting through things, have you noticed that mindset apply in other areas of your life? Yeah, like, Hmm. right. Since I have a lot going on in my head, I have school, I have work, I have family, friends. I'm trying new things to keep me a bit more occupied from those things. Like, not have more, just have like a a set of times where I'm just doing something I enjoy and I don't think about anything else. For example, football. I never really liked football when I was little. And then most of my friends here in Mexico, they love football. So it's kind of difficult for you not to do what they like when everyone's agreeing on what to do. So I had to adapt a little to playing with them. I started enjoying it more and more. And now I got at least more decent now. I learned piano and guitar and drums and stuff. And uh, I want to travel more. But to not places I don't want to go when my mom forces me. I want to travel to places (laughs) where I like to go right Hmm. well yeah next time you want to catch a yankees game i'm here in new york okay i've i've always wanted to go to new york let's do it you go visit you amir tienes un casa aquí un casita gracias siempre (laughs) thank you you too thanks so much for joining us alan thank you for having me i really enjoyed this yeah we'll check in with you in a couple of years we'll get you back on the podcast all right He's a cool kid. He's awesome. Yeah, you were right about wisdom beyond his years. (laughs) Right? And he talks like an adult. 
So this is so freaking cool. <laughs> None of it's surprising、yeah. to Lorena. All the things, the way you carry yourself, the things that you nurture for yourself, the way that you do your best to fortify your relationship with the world and stay centered. And now you create that space for your beautiful son here, and seeing the fruits of that labor and what's happening—it's so so wonderful. Like, gotta recognize that, Lori. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's been quite a journey. I've learned the importance of living now because we don't know if that end is going to be tonight or tomorrow. So let's just do the right thing and and live here now. And that's what I try to teach them as well. Just enjoying the moment. And YouTube is temporary too. I was like, just live your moment. You won that award. Carry that award with. All the excitement that you were waiting for—you finally have it. But you never stop getting surprised for all these things in life. Well, Lori, as we as we wrap up here, bring us home with with what your vision is. What are you seeing now? When you give your mind's eye permission, what do you see in the future for you? In the future for me, in terms of my mission, which. Was evolving around the cannabis plant. I've learned that my mission is not just the plant. It was a spark to continue the work that evolves around soil, around general agriculture, food, the way we live in terms of what we eat, what we produce. Where are we going? With all of this, all the problems out there, climate change, and all these things that I have on my soul every day, is because one thing is taking me to another.、Yeah. Working with the plant allow me to be closer、mm. to the plant world in general. That's and、um, connecting with other groups around regenerative agriculture.、Um, a member at the board of advisors of a consulting firm called Regenavis that helps cannabis companies align with the sustainable development goals of 2030. And I just feel that my spirit, my soul, wants to be in a farm. I understand that cannabis was just one step to get closer to something bigger. And bigger in a sense that we need to come together in this bigger mission. That's full circle right there. You continue to inspire me, my friend, with the way you live your life and and the way your your heart is oriented. So keep going. Thank you. And Neil and I want to hold this space for you to give thanks. What gratitude would you like to share now as we close this conversation? Who's been that stepping stone for you? I think what I want to close with that, you know, grateful for my grandma to teach me that we're here to be in service of others, of our mother earth. Like that's the translation of human being, service. And I think once we get that and remember that, everything just happens. <laughs> so, what would you like us and our listeners to do after having listened to everything you've shared today? Go out there and service somebody. It doesn't matter who, whoever's next to you, or an unknown person out there. But do something for someone today. All right, this is great, Lorena Beltran, my childhood friend, my co-pilot in this world. Thank you so much for for being here with us, with my other fellow co-pilot in this world, Neil. Thank you, thank you, both of you. I hope to meet you in person soon, Neil and Amir. 
please come visit. Both yes. of you, mi casa es tu casa. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you. You can follow Lorena on Instagram at Lorena Belt or on TikTok at Lorena Beltran, that's with two N's, or on her website at www.cannabissalud.com. For folks that love what they're hearing today and want to hear and see more, we have the complete, uncut, and raw episodes in video form available online on our fan page via Patreon at www.leavelookingup.com fans. There you can support what we're creating. Here's sound bites that didn't make it to the final cut. Gain wisdom from our guests, score merch, be the first to access our content, and more. Also, we'd like to take a second to thank you for joining us today. So if you haven't already, please be sure to leave a rating and review of the podcast in your app of choice. We also recommend following us on social media at Leave Looking Up on all social channels or subscribing to our mailing list for special content, news, and first dibs on the episodes via our website at leavelookingup.com. Leave Looking Up is hosted by myself, Neil Ludevic, and my co-host, Amir Jandali, and produced by our small but mighty team at Moon 31, a company dedicated to creating platforms for meaningful conversation that tackle the important issues of today. This episode was created through the combined efforts of myself as executive producer, our lead producer, Lushik Lotus-Lee, engineer Alexander Rossi, with support from Eric Aaron. The Moon 31 team also includes designer Andrea Kang, Glass Slipper Media, and engineer Justin Jet Carter. Original theme music by Brady Watt, and background music provided from Blue Dot Sessions. <laughs>